and welcome to Do the Right Thing, your weekly writing prompt podcast. I'm Alexandra. And I'm Jarvis. Jarvis and I have been sucked into a Narnia-esque world with no way of going home, except uh, with something something to do with writing. <laughs> so so to charter our, our paths right back to that wardrobe, we are issuing a challenge. Each week you sit down and write a complete short story using three or four randomly generated words. Then uh, we come on the podcast, we read a story, we talk about what we learned in reading it, and then we talk about stories sent in by you wonderful listeners. Mm-hmm, exact mundo. We're simply here to help you do the right thing. A Doof a Doof Media, production. Media Production. I'm in that weird, like, state where, like, you're really tired, but you're, like, pushing a bit of mm-hmm. energy forward and stuff. So that's, 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 that's where I'm at right now. Mm. So um, you are being pulled both both ways that's Started right limbo basically yeah. yeah yeah um i saw a post on twitter today that was um it was a it was a it was a diagram of a girl wearing a sweater and then a shirt underneath the sweater right but the yeah. shirt it was a long sleeve shirt was like bunched up up like all the way up to her shoulder right and mm. it was late it was it was captioned this is this is the this is what un- uncomfortable is or something right it was like this is this diagram <laughs> depicts uncomfortable uncomfortable and i was yeah. like this is this is I, I tweeted this this is so some of you already got the 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 first look at this um mm. that that's just how it feels being in my flesh prison all the time <laughs> and i i really do mean it like i feel like oh i feel like i need to tear off all of my skin Mm. Or you know maybe just like tear off one 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 layer. Yeah, so but like, like a thick really layer. show what's on the inside. Yeah, like a yeah. thick like a layer thick enough that I could like wear it as clothing if I wanted to. Mm. Okay, so like kind of like kind of like Hannibal Lecter, but you know a little. Yeah, bit, but it's but it's my own personal. it's my own flesh. Nicer. It's my own flesh. Yeah. So it's you know legal. You when you that. when you watched Titan. when you watched Attack on Titan and the, the colossal Titan yes. showed up who doesn't have skin did you were you envious of him for not having when skin when I when I saw that the only thing that that I could really think about is damn he is tall he is thick and he is double cheeked up <laughs> like like do you remember one of those first first shots when he like sh- when he like shows up. For like first time and then it cuts to like outside of the uh, wall with, with the, like titans running up he, he was cheeks man i don't Super. know though oh, like he was crazy I, I, he yeah maybe yes but they are very much like like male cheeks you know like they're very thin yeah 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 like yeah like they were extensive they like, sure but they were like volumous. rectangular shaped they were two rectangles mm-hmm. Which I always found that weird. How that's just how like men butts come. Mm-hmm. It, like, I mean, that's a size smaller. <laughs> Sorry, you said men's butts come, and I was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really tired. I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> we are children. It's okay. Uh... So, um, uh, there's another yeah. little update thing. So, mm-hmm. um. I'm saying this is a joke. No one uh, sent me to jail, but so I stole some nail polish, right? And nice. um, it's like the perfect color, and I put it on, and like I feel, I maybe it's just because my brain is like unusually empty, but I've just been like 
staring at it like way too much like i was in the shower right and this is like this mm-hmm. this like turquoise metallic color a little bit green a little bit blue and like yeah. the like water was beating on it and it made it kind of look purple and i literally like i spent probably at least 10 minutes of the shower just looking at my nails and like changing the light that they were under and like getting water oh. on them and stuff like i spent a while doing that and it was I mean, weird hey you you have to make sure it's the right shade i get it <laughs> I, it just it looks really good and i can't stop looking at it i'm just saying if i was if i was time teleported back in time i could pull off yes. being like royalty or some sort of demigod just from my nails like oh, i could really? like i could be like hey i would have to like hide hide my hands because otherwise people are going to think i'm demons if i walk into town right but until mm-hmm. i go to the the castle and then i pull out my hands i'm like hey look I'm uh I'm divine. Let me into your crib. Give me give me some dintin from a foreign <laughs> have land. Have you have you played or seen footage from from Hades? No. Well, a little okay. bit. Okay. Okay. You look like you could be a, a character from from Hades. Oh, that, like, that's a huge compliment. Thank you. One hundred percent. Maybe like a. Uh, God, I'm trying to remember the the names. Granted, I I, I still haven't played it. I have followed the uh, game since it like was first uh, announced because I love super giant games. By by by, still haven't played it played it yet. But I would say you're maybe like a um, Athena, maybe. Oh, thank see. you, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, enough of that. Let's talk about this week's work. That's right, and this is the first time in a while where we're really actually talking about the the words themselves. So, because mm-hmm. I wrote a Finally. story this week, and I'm so excited to read it. But first, this week's words were brick, herb, penny, and equipped. Hot. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, uh, the the challenge was tracing, which basically meant we got a great host of um stories this this week when where these writers basically copied um other more famous writers works and maybe <laughs> took it into Your their own style makes it I know, less literary <laughs> <laughs> sounds like just just copying yeah so we did so we did the um the challenge was was to trace which was to mm-hmm. um yeah, take another person's well the plagiarize well not <laughs> Not really to 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 write down someone else's uh, work a, a scene you liked, and then to try to emulate that voice that you just practiced by by writing it down. So I did that actually. So uh, I I wrote a story this week. Um, I don't feel like it's my best story, but considering of how mm-hmm. depressed I've been the past couple of months, I don't think it's too too bad. And I haven't written mm-hmm. it in many many months, so you know. Uh, hopefully and I just also, you know, stick hey, to it. And, you and... you only have thirty minutes, right? So. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, getting back into the swing of it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I did do the the tracing challenge thingy. Um, mm-hmm. who'd you trace? I traced the first couple of pages from, um, Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson. Mm-hmm. So I, I had book, some others. Book. I was thinking of looking at, in fact, I really want to um, trace Ursula K. Le Guin, but I wasn't able to get mm. um, my hands on a, a copy of her works before the de- the deadline. Um, mm, so okay. perhaps I'll do it later. 
Um, but she, she has like a really wonderful poetic voice that I, I remember really enjoying. Um, and it's not like too over the top either, like uh, a certain eldritch uh, abomination we know of. Um, <laughs> so I, I do really want to emulate her stuff. But just for a distinctive writing style, I went for Neil Stevenson. And you can read that first mm-hmm. chapter of Snowcraft. And I, I actually highly recommend it just because it's so <laughs> distinctive. And it's the best chapter of the book. Um, it, you can, Which you can look is it up online. the most disappointing part about the entire book, but go on. <laughs> it's not, it's I mean, not hey, that I, bad, the rest I, of it. Listen, but. I love the book. I still haven't finished it because I have a really problem. I have a huge problem with just not, fin- with just not finishing books. But I, I have gotten about halfway through, and it's good. It's just that But that it's not as good as that first chapter. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I do, I do recommend y'all read that, but I, I did write the first couple of pages and then I tried to emulate it. I think I, I came somewhat close to mm-hmm. at least emulating the tone, if not the voice. Um, I think if I was maybe feeling a little bit, you know, more put together and, and less depressed, maybe I, I would get closer, but also I was noticing, so, so Snow Crash, you know what, let me, let me just read like a, like a, a little excerpt from it in a second. Uh, so, so this is like paragraph like five and six or something. The Deliverator's car has enough potential energy packed into its batteries to fire a pound of bacon into the asteroid belt. Unlike a bimbo box or burb beater, the Deliverator's car unloads that power through gaping, gleaming, polished sphincters. When the Deliverator, when the Deliverator puts the hammer down, shit happens. You want to talk contact patches? Your car's tires have tiny contact patches. Talk to the asphalt in four places the size of your tongue. The Deliverator's car has big, sticky tires with contact patches the size of a fat lady's thighs. The Deliverator's in touch with the road, starts like a bad day, stops in a pesetta. Why is the Deliverator so equipped? Because people rely on him. He's a role model. This is America. People do whatever the fuck they feel like doing. You got a problem with that? Because they have a right to. And because they have guns and no one can fucking stop them. As a result, this country has one of the worst economies of the world. When it gets down to it, talking trade balances here, once we've brain-drained all our technology into other countries, once things have eaten evened out, they're making cars in Bolivia and microwave ovens in Tazakistan and selling them here, once our edges and natural resources have made irrelevant by giant Hong Kong ships and dirigibles that can ship North Dakota all the way to New Zealand for a nickel, once the invisible hand has taken all those historical inequities and smeared them out into a broad global layer of what a Pakistani brickmaker would consider to be pro- prosperity, you know what? There's only four things we do better than anyone else. Music, movies, microcode, software, high-speed pizza delivery. <laughs> so, um... It is amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a very... That voice it, is so great. I know, right? And it's so, like, aggressive, and it's so catching. So I, I did not come close to... comical, too, too, yeah. Yeah, to, yeah, it's, it's very, um... What's the word... Not derisive. Um, okay, I found the word. The word is irreverent. So it's a very irreverent tone where it doesn't. It's like, fuck your expectations. Uh, we're just we're we're talking how we want to talk, and we're using a lot of these, like uh, metaphors and figurative language uh, that are like very literal and very like rude. You know. Um, mm-hmm. I wonder, I wonder, uh, when Neil Stevenson was writing this, was it the 90s? Because <laughs> for some reason, just, just like listening to you reading it and then also reading it for myself, it feels very like 
sort of 90s chic and it's sort of like grungy tones i, I can see the, the 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 connections there and you know there's mm-hmm. there's plenty of um of other things i compare it to like the, the like the opening of fight club um mm, where yes. it's just kind of like a like a montage of like all the things that make the modern day the modern day i think very much suits this this tile or style um yeah but yeah, so there's there's plenty of things or, that um, you can compare it to. The uh, I think it was like the first street or the first scene of um, the Wolf of Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So one of those scenes. Um, yeah, it's a very distinctive style. I tried to emulate a little bit. I don't think I really. It, I, one one thing I was not doing very well on it was those those metaphors um, mm. that you know are just spit out that that are very very striking. And I don't think I, I came close to describing those. And I wonder how much of it is like, you know, Neil Stevenson probably didn't come up with all of these on the spot, right? Was probably thinking <laughs> probably about a not. lot of these. Um, you know, maybe maybe was writing down phrases like uh, contact patches the size of a fat lady's thighs. You know, honestly, he 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 probably finished the whole book uh, before even adding some of those those lines. Like that's yeah, probably true. Some of those, I'm it sure, could have been like second or like third third draft stuff. So yeah, and and but on Process. the other hand, I also was very very tired. So or, <laughs> true, true. Yeah, so that that puts a limit on your creativity. But anyway, so uh, yeah, I tried mm-hmm. to emulate the tone a little bit. And uh, I guess we'll we'll see how well it went. Exactly. Let's get on into it. I guess I'll call the story Narnia Gone Wrong. Let me take a sip of water. <clears throat> Barbara Lee is a villain, and she likes it that way. She rules eight kingdoms across this continent le- and lets rebellions flare up just to have something to do. Because that's what happens when you drop a 12-year-old with a hankering for science and efficiency in a world where the creators have conveniently overlooked the concepts of conservation of matter and energy. She'd always had a distaste for morals, found them nothing but a way to keep the stupid satisfied. If she had to share on the playground, best to wander off to the forest. If they took her favorite toys, better to make her favorite toys something they wouldn't appreciate. Chemistry, mathematics, and brain games the adults have to squint at. That's why she's here, after all, dropped into a fantastical world with a struggle of good and evil, happy to make her the main character if only she can learn a lesson. Oh, and Barbara learned some lessons, all right. Learned that saltpeter, sulfur, and charcoal still make gunpowder, something a lot easier and faster with those... Something a lot easier and faster when those kobold pests in the forest can be stressed into excreting the components. Milked like assembly line factory cows, complete with, complete with a horror only witnessed in aggressively vegan R-rated documentaries playing at 2am. Little Lee shucked off her little companions and talked to the greedy mayor, one of her intended first opponents, into taking up some economic propositions. Of course, he didn't trust her and wanted to exploit her, but when the, tr- when the 12-year-old with the talking sword of the hero of time is telling you how to make a quick buck, well, you might drop a penny or two. It didn't take long for the 12, soon 13-year-old terror to talk her way up to the king's advisor, pulling herself off as a fabled centuries-old wizard in, in a child's body, not so tough when stranger things have happened in a broken, magical world. With a few whispered nudges and secrets, the kingdom, of en- the kingdom of Endaria was marching off plate-armed soldiers equipped with rifles that could pop the heart of a dragon from 600 paces. That's all irrelevant, though. History has been reduced to ash like a cigarette burned, filter and all. 
Little Lee exploited, tricked, twisted, and terrified both allies and enemies, taking all those gifts that were supposed to be used at essential moments on her hero's journey and using him to multiply the power she had. Lee took notes from books she read, from Orwell, creating a world that would have spawned a whole forest of terrible YA dystopian copycats. The past doesn't exist anymore, especially when memory wiping magic can be used like whiteout, a generation's memory bleached like so many loads of wet laundry. She's a villain, alright. Queen of Terror, reducing the great creature of darkness from a bygone age and to a hamster on a generator wheel, poked, out, poked at by little magic lasers held by plain little children. Once you attach the word power to friendship, it becomes just another thing to harvest. And harvest she does, pairs up kids, pits them against each other. Nothing like hating your neighbor across the street to be besties with the one next door. Then she hooks them up to magical electrodes. Sucks them dry of all that friend power they've got. Useful thing, that. Powers the lights, tanks, jacuzzi. Great spice on roast chicken, too. The strong take from the weak, and the weak don't really exist, has been her view. After all, this isn't her world, except in the sense that she owns it. Drop a kid in the sandbox of the castle's pre-built, and it's only a matter of time before they start kicking things over. So, she's here now. Tip-top of the tallest tower, made from bricks taken from every little town and farmstead that sent out a poor schmuck with a pitchfork. That's the kind of symbology she likes. Dress of black scales, crown of gold skulls. She keeps the storm live and crackling above her, for the ambiance. Crushing enemies and weeping fireballs makes her feel like a kid again, splashing through puddles. Cute. Off in the distance, across the continent, some ten-year-old just lost their parents to her raiders, and has vowed revenge and fury, alongside with her talking dog. Through a crystal ball clearer than the rich tech kid's 4K plasma, Barbara Lee can see the kid's determined face and clenched fist. She smiles, knowing that in just a couple years, she'll have a new toy to kick around. She looks behind her, sees that small little gate, the gold rim dim under the lightning like an LED in sunlight. This being the only way back to her old world. Technically, she's done here. Did all the stuff she was supposed to do, killing dragons or whatever, though it probably wasn't supposed to be done with arcane grenades and suicide goblins. The gate's supposed to be her way back, but it's empty right now, refusing to do a thing... Refusing to do anything, like God being asked to show a sign. She supposes she's probably got to learn her lesson before she goes. Can't really remember what she was up to before she got sucked into a Tolkien C.S. Lewis knockoff, but it was probably something kids do, telling her brother she hates him or something. Facing a crying sky and a world getting more boring with every kick at the castles, Barbara Lee shrugs. She'll figure it out eventually. Plenty of other things to take the magic out of, before then. So honestly, I have no clue what you were talking about saying that this this was the worst thing that you've written for do for do the right thing i mean okay well i did go that far but okay well yeah but but i mean yeah this is like really good and i mean after you of course reading the uh what you were trying to copy i can i can totally see it i mean you nailed the the um sort of like twist turny way that uh the voice of um snow crash is and, and you like uh and you like really did match that really well and i mean also i think as as you continue down we are getting more and and more of this sort of queen and the story and then also the like reasons why this um 
main character is sort of stuck in this place and i love how this story kind of like it's kind of meta you know because Mm because you are talking about these these like other dis dystopian novels you are you are talking about all of the knockoffs you were you were talking about basically Lion Witch and the uh, wardrobe and like uh, Tolkien. So I don't know. I just think that this is a really good piece that, I don't know. I think if this were to be like a longer piece, this voice would have worked a a lot better. Because I, I do feel for it to be a short story. We aren't really going anywhere. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, um, you you really did hit this voice really well and you did create a uh really in a really enjoyable voice to read that also does seem very much so like you so yeah really you. really great yeah thank you um yeah so uh i i definitely agree that there's not much of like a like a story or or plot or anything being done here mm-hmm. like at all i mean really it's very it, like i mean it feels like you are setting these the stage for this whole thing you know yeah basically i i started writing and then like timer was was basically done and i was like okay i'll just put a conclusion of like her looking at the exit and deciding not to go or something there's definitely a mm-hmm. lot more that i i would have done and th- th- like there's faint glimmers of theme something about like her not learning her lesson or something and whatever that lesson is um but yeah so so in the end i i probably for to to view this more positively the best thing i could do is probably just look at this as like that experiment and and voice and not Mm -hmm. much more um because it yeah it's just not a, a a standalone short story um mm, but see. yeah the, the emulating the the voice was really fun um yeah uh and I mean, on that, I, I guess I do have a, a few questions because I mean, I, I I didn't do this this challenge this this week. So, I mean, when you did go into trying to trace the voice of um, Snowcrest, what were the key things that you really like stuck to as you were writing this? Yeah, so it's interesting. Like a lot of it was is not stuff I articulated as I wrote. It was just stuff mm-hmm. like I, I finished copying down like three pages. Um, mm-hmm. Not like, not three pages of reading, uh, more like just three pages of in my big handwriting in my, my journal thingy. Um, yeah. But um, I copied down a couple pages and uh, just kind of try to continue off of that voice of, as if it was still going. And the things that I, I can identify now um, were a bit of like I don't know if alliteration is, is actually accurate, but it felt that way. Like a lot of yeah, just like yeah. catchy saying things, um, a lot of metaphors, especially those relating to technology or like stuff that just does not fit any sort of like drama, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, that irreverent tone of like breaking all of the expectations, not like expectations of the writing, but like the the point of the story is to mm-hmm. break the original expectations not that this like really sets those up it's just it starts off from a point of like they're already broken but yeah um, and i mean also i uh i noticed that you did um kind of go into the 
reasoning in a uh, lot of different people like i know when uh, you were talking about the like uh, evil deeds that the uh, queen did uh it reminded me a lot of of like um neil neil stevenson talking about the d liberator you know like oh mm-hmm. uh he he does this but mm-hmm. i mean it ain't really like that he is doing this be because of this this and of that and i mean i like really saw that sort of connection there and it and it read very similar very similarly um yeah that's definitely was intentional of like uh when i started off i was like okay well i need to focus this on like a character in the same Mm -hmm. because that's what you know if i if i copied another section of the book that was more just about the world and not about the deliverator um Mm -hmm. i i would have done so differently but i since i traced the 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 part that I traced was basically exclusively about um talking about a single character and making them out mm-hmm. to be that irreverent badass thing in an unexpected way. Yeah. Um and also I mean that's I think I it was here. really I think it was really smart of you to uh, to choose to trace something that is so outside of your your normal style or, or like any style that I've really seen. Uh and I think, you know, that's only like that can only make you stronger as a, a writer because you've kind of seen the like other side of what prose can be and like how that different form of prose can still be as e- effective as what we would call normal prose, you know? Thanks. Um, yeah, so I definitely, uh, when I was thinking of like, what do I want to like affect my own writing? I was thinking I definitely mm-hmm. want to be more poetic and this is not that, um, or although... I mean, in some ways, it kind of is, but not some at all. Ways, the, I would say in, it's more figurative. It, like it, it does use a lot of figurative language, but it's definitely not like a like a beautiful, mm-hmm. like this tone. You don't describe like a beautiful forest, in, you know, like you don't you <laughs> yeah, don't describe no. a garden with this with his voice. I would love to see that. <laughs> so I was wanting to, um, like like I said before, emulate Ursula K. Le Guin, but one thing I was worried about as well as I was getting ready to do that, was that, like, Ursula K. Le Guin and, and other, you know, like, nice and poetic writers, a lot of them, it's like... The, the way that I remember Ursula K. Le Guin writing is poetic, but not in a way where, like, every sentence is, like... It, it, it's a sort of tone and, and feeling that appears over time rather than like any specific section you know mm. um like okay. every so sentence is like very fluffy or um, no it's like every sentence is very capital g good and then after you read like a couple pages you're like enamored and and you adore it right mm. rather than okay. with like the, with with this part of snow Crash, which is every single sentence is like a zinger you know i see so um, it's so it's not really like a hit it's it's more like like a sting, I guess, because you know Perhaps. I feel when you are reading Snow Crash, as soon as you start reading, you are like hit yeah, with this like yeah. really great style, this like really great writing. Where I'm guessing with this with this other author, it's more of a slow burn, like it like it is written well, but you know by the like first page is that when you kind of like sit back and say, damn this this person's really spinning, you know? Yeah. It's, it's like, after you get a couple of pages, you're like, wow, this is a really beautiful book. And 
like this is it, it it's yeah it's beautiful is what it is is what i'm trying to say um and there's other authors that that would be somewhat similar i, I was just basically for I, I for a like longer term um adjustment of my prose i definitely want to go like the Le Guin route and and mm-hmm. trace other like poetic authors and stuff uh but i also felt like just for the practice of like trying out different voices and stuff doing one as distinctive as possible was probably mm-hmm. a good idea yeah and uh it was a great choice so uh i guess uh yeah if so after writing this and you know uh tracing all of that jazz is there anything that you've really learned from it? What would you do, di- and what would you do differently on a second try? I definitely want to continue doing the this tracing thing and and do mm-hmm. it to a bunch of other authors. Um, one little challenge thingy I was doing here was, or, I mean, it was extremely minor, but I was thinking if I'm going to do Le Guin, who, who I know more for like a fantasy book, yeah. um, or the, a Wizard of Earthsea, and um stevenson which is a sci-fi book to sort of to switch the settings i thought would be fun mm, to write you stevenson really to nice. describe this this fantasy setting and then maybe Le Guin, I'll, I'll do the do a cyberpunk kind of thing oh, yeah, um definitely or something that. of the sort um but uh yeah no i i definitely it, it was good to learn the stuff is it was really good to practice using these metaphors mm-hmm. um and to just like in, insert this very like a this yeah aggressive irreverent tone. So I I I really yeah I basically got as um, pretty much as much as I thought I would get out of out of tracing as uh before I went into it. Um. Right, cool. So. Uh, yeah, I I think definitely it's it's something worth doing, and I'll, I'll probably do it again. Definitely, yeah. And I mean, hey, you uh, brought us a really uh, well-written piece that I uh, enjoyed listening to. So uh, thank you so much for bringing that in. I'm and, glad uh, you all right. it. Yeah, it was fantastic. And all right, I guess it's time to roll on into our listener-submitted story section. Thank you so much to everyone who did submit a story without y'all. This, this podcast would be a lot shorter, but a lot more boring and not as fun. So, mm-hmm. um, as as we have said previously, all of these stories deal with tracing. Uh, so, I am really eager to see who uh, all of our submissions traced and uh, kind of how they took that style of, of writing that they did trace and uh, basically make their own of it. Um, so, the stories we, we are going to be reading from this week are by... Words on the Wind, Sarah Penguin, Captain Rhino, and and Nipotin. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, who we're starting off with? We we are starting off with Words on on the Wind with an untitled uh, short story about the Baron Ulfric Killinger von Rosenberg. Mm-hmm. So um, this story, I I don't know what this is traced off of. Um, oh, oh, it's Poe, the, right. yes. the Mask of the Red Death. Right, I understand. Yes, I think that's um, by it's Poe. Oh, they they say oh, Poe okay. at the end, so okay. I I assume. <laughs> yeah, it's from <laughs> poemuseum.org. That's the the oh, link. Okay. So probably a, a work of Edgar Allan Poe. Probably. Anyway, 
Um, so this uh, is a story about Baron Ulfric, who is a, a modern day Baron, and, and he's, he's super rich, and he's had a long family history of people dying. Um, and, and so everyone kind of assumes that he is um, he's really weird and eccentric because of how sad his life has been. And after his uh, parents died, um, he sort of became that sort of like um, distant, but also like laughing tone that, that people that are very much on edge are right when they laugh in the face of something horrible happened happening mm-hmm. so that's the background and then here we move into the what the, the event of the story is which is when the plague hits which i assume is basically the coronavirus <laughs> or, and, yeah. or something worse mm-hmm. um so he is known to be doing some like pretty uh, irreverent things like throwing a uh, herd immunity party and other things um just kind of being a, a pretty huge asshole not taking things seriously um, but mm-hmm. his his last thing that he does is uh, he um, has outfitted this villa to be basically a disaster um, uh, bunker for him um, that has tons of food and is it's just it, it, you know it's a rich person survival bunker. And as his mm-hmm. final thing, he uh, throws a Halloween party, which will basically also be a test for other rich people to see who will be allowed to live with him in his bunker for the rest of of their days um but there the theme for the halloween party is an asylum complete with um a shock equipment and uh chains on the walls so very much like um old old asylum um uh, like as is mentioned like like bethlehem and stuff Mm-hmm. And so everyone shows up dressed as if they are uh, supposed to belong in a asylum. And uh, then they find out that the uh, syringes were filled with all too real drugs. The shackles were real and the equipment very much functional. So kind of the implication that they're going to be staying in there and the Baron is just going to <laughs> torture them for the rest of <laughs> the apocalypse. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, honestly, I uh, really dug this this story. Uh, reading it, I can uh, definitely see a, a lot of Poe-isms in the prose. I uh, love how a, a lot of these sort of longer sentences kind of unfold, and it and it really is sort of grabbing that sort of slow but deliberate tone that uh, you get from a lot of Poe's works. And I mean, going into the story it's, itself, I um, loved how this Baron was being characterized i um really did like the the addition of this plague and i liked seeing not not only how people react but sort of how the baron sees it in his own eyes and i mean overall i think it is a a really solid story that uh leaves us in this very um concerning place so overall really great job yeah, the one thing I'm going to point out is um, I think there is a bit of uh, passive voice in here that I, I, mm. I think um, to if you're emulating Poe and, and others, I think uh, having more like active uh, verbs and things like that to um, make it sound a little bit more present, um, I think would be mm-hmm. the, the, the way to do that. So like, there's some phrases like, um, and so it was not a surprise to anyone when the plague hit and the, and he continued his activities as normal. Um, mm-hmm. so that's sort of, a um, 
more passive phrasing, um, as well as like in Come They Did, The Riches of the Upper Crust. Um, you might never, never mind. I'm going to cut that because I, I'm well, not, no, I'm not that was, that was no, I'm not, well, I'm not confident enough that it's actually passive voice <laughs> that I'm actually, but it is passive voice. <laughs> is it though? Uh, yeah, okay. So the so the line you are talking about is from uh, uh and so it was not a surprise to to anyone when the plant hit and and he continued his his activities as a uh, normal i would say that is passive voice okay i'm gonna say it again but more confidently then yes confidence it's key so uh the the, the thing i would point out here for improvement would be to um change some of the use of a passive voice into a more active voice so there's there's multiple like phrases in here that are more subdued because of that passive voice and be um and and changing them to active would be make them more like present Mm -hmm. um and, and most of them are like phrases that you know sound good usually but when there's a lot of them the passive voice definitely definitely adds up so just to to take a couple so like um and so it was not a surprise to anyone when the plague hit and he continued with his activities as normal. Um, the it, sort of like not leading with the um, like the the noun and, and verb there um, mm-hmm. makes it uh, less punchy and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, no expense would be spared is, is passive voice, right? It's like who is who's not spare, sparing the expense, right? Yeah. Um, and some other if, stuff. Um, if I were, if uh, one of your lines sort of has a a like wind up before it gets to the purpose of of that line, I think it is worth to kind of looking at that line for a second time. Yeah, to restructure it. Like no expense would be spared is like an extremely like well known um, and and good um, you know phrase. Um, mm-hmm. It's just I, I think when it's paired with a lot of the the, the passive voice, it does um, make it more um slower and subdued than it would be otherwise so um but i really really like the story and i i like the situation that's that's been set up here um i I, yeah i'm just pointing out something that would be i I think good to look at definitely definitely but uh really great job words on the wind Mm -hmm. and and up next is sarah penguin with ace tea and cake uh which um is the tracing of emily skrutsky is how Ooh, I think nice. that's pronounced. Um, so uh, a new yeah. author. I did a Google. Um, so maybe I'll read them one day. Um, so uh, Jamie and what's her name? Um, let me see. The main character. Hey, bro, I'm recording. He's in the hall. Mm. Bastard. Oh, uh, their uh, their name is My Little Rope Bunny. Oh, okay, got it. Got it. Rope <laughs> Bunny. I'll just refer to them Rope as Rope Bunny. Bunny. No. We'll just, let's just say main character. Yeah. Um. So the main MC. character is in their uh, kitchen with their girlfriend. 
um, after having made a big confession. We don't know what it is immediately, but we we set the scene first. Uh, Jamie, the the girlfriend, is offering a witch's herbal brew uh, to heal her emotional pain. It's just tea, but it's you know it's a sweet little gesture, and we get a little bit of what the relationship is like, and it's it's quite cute. Um, but the main character is really worried, and um, we can very much see and and feel her emotions as she asks, "Are you going to leave me?" Um, and uh, her girlfriend reassures her and says it's fine. And then we they they talk, and slowly we understand what they you know what the confession was is that the the main character confessed that they're uh, asexual, um, and mm-hmm. um, part of that that you know worries them so much is. Um, you know, Jamie asks, uh, so do you find me sexually attractive? And of course, main character said, can't answer that affirmatively. And that makes him feel, you know, wrong and ashamed and, and, and so much else. Um, and yeah, we get a lot of, of their worry and stuff. Um, and, and, you know, of course, they go through the like classic, terrible, you know, thoughts of like, maybe you, you can see someone else and stuff, mm-hmm. um, which, of course, they, neither of them actually really want that. Um, but in the end, um, Jamie does succeed in, in reassuring her, and um, they come to a compromise of engaging in BDSM in a wholesome, intimate way. Nice, it's very, nice. very cute. I liked it a lot. Very, yeah. And I mean, overall, I I think it's just a, a really strong story. Uh, it stays within this this one moment, and uh, we are really able to through this this voice um, get to get inside of the um, main. Uh, get inside of the main character's head along with getting a greater understanding of this sort of relationship and i mean through this you can really tell the like love that these two characters do share for um each other which is a really great feat um given how short this um story really is i mean yeah overall i think it is um as you said really cute i think it is um uh just really pointing towards possible complications that can have that can happen within a um re a relationship but it is sort of taken in this way that i'm not really expecting it is a uh, a lot more loving that i'm used to seeing in um many works that that kind of take place be between two two people um, yeah, I, I really like the story, Sarah Penguin. Um, I think you did a, a wonderful job here portraying the relationship with these two characters. Uh, so the thing I would I would uh, suggest, not so much as a, a criticism, but just a suggestion, is to just add some more like metaphors and stuff in here. I, th- in this little selection, there's only like one or two I can see in here, but I, I think they're very effective. Talking about how um, the main character in in this selection by Emily Skritsky talks about how uh, th- her story is a hurricane in here with Swift is just the eye and some other things. Um, so yeah, adding in uh, a metaphor to I think would do really well in um, colorizing the language and stuff. But everything in here is is really well done, and um, yeah, I, I I very much like the story. Yeah, definitely, definitely. We're all right. Thank you so much to Sarah Penguin. And up next is Captain Rhino with Locke. Um, so this is a uh, fanfic and, and not, not so much retracing, but Captain Rhino just finished reading The Black Company by Glenn Cook, which is a, a story covered by the Doofcast, by the way, oh, um, nice. by the Doof uh, Book Club. If, if you ever want to go back and, and um, listen to that, anyone who's reading. Um, and it's a really good book. Um, as as well, but anyway, 
So this is not the uh, Captain Rhino admits that they didn't copy anything down, but they, you know, have read a bunch of the words, so it's fresh on their mind. And I think they did, they did a, a a pretty decent job of of emulating the 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 tone and voice here. So um, here, uh, Croker of of the Black Company um, is. Uh, playing cards with Goblin, One-Eye, and Elmo. Um, <laughs> Goblin and One-Eye are, are two wizards of the Black Company. Uh, before Raven comes in and says that the captain wants to uh, see Croker um, for a, a special mission. And so here we, you know, we see some interaction between the different soldiers here, and it's it's pretty funny, um, you know, as they go way over the top and just annoying each other um, with like a plague of of flies and pigeons and and things. But anyway, uh, Croker goes to talk to the captain, and they talk a bit of um, some plot things about how the rebel is is chasing them, and we have some like military talk talking about how um, they call it the rebel rather than the rebel army, right? As if it's a single thing personified. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, Soulcatcher, the uh, evil wizard that has hired them, um, has failed to provide them with reinforcements. And uh, Croker is really upset about that and, and starts railing against it until the captain points out that a catcher is actually standing right bef- behind him <laughs> as a funny little finish to the, the scene. And here Croker addresses the audience um, saying that uh, it, it's a shame that he, he hasn't described what his expression is like, um, but he did want to die uh, in that moment. But unfortunately, he didn't. Yeah, so uh, I really did like this a story. It was a quite dialogue heavy, but I mean the uh, dialogue that is being used is being used very well to uh, characterize that person that is uh, talking. And I mean overall, I uh, really do enjoy these um, prose. They are they are they are fairly simple, but but they do do a, a really good job at sort of pushing this this um, story forward. Uh, and I mean, overall, I, I I love this sort of world building that is that's being done here. I love these these sort of naming con- conventions of these wizards, uh, and like uh, everything. So yeah, overall, I just uh, really really dug it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as as someone who has read the the Black Company, I can say that it is uh, it's pretty accurate, and I I very much could see this with just some tweaks, you know, fitting right in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know what, what I would put on, point at to, to change it, <laughs> to be more like it. Um, but, um, yeah, it very much fits that, like, uh, pretty direct, uh, tone, um, that the Black Company does have. hmm Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, all right. Thank you so much to Captain Rhino. And, and our last story for this week is by Nipotin. With vignette one, that is a hard word. Um, <laughs> so uh, this is just a paragraph long, and it's mm-hmm. a, so it is very very difficult to uh, summarize. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but I mean, really, overall, this this story is showing uh, more so of of the prose than like anything yeah, else. Yeah. The, the sort of style. So it is. It's describing a um, a scene at a at a train station. People coming and going, and um, you know this scene of um, you know a city with with neon lights and things that are you know very glaring and advertising. Um, you know a, a big end 
up and coming world and stuff, but never quite delivering on it. And it has this little um, gimmick, which gimmick is not necessarily said in a bad way, but it does describe what this does, where the paragraph can be read as restarting at the very end. You can you can finish the paragraph and start over at the very beginning and it it works as one sentence all the way through. Mm. Um, So I thought that was really neat. And um, Nipotin talks about how they they traced uh, Hemingway. Mm-hmm. And so um, there was a, yeah, the, the emphasis here is, is like you said, on, on that prose, every, every phrase in here, I don't even want to say sentence because the whole thing is just like one sentence, but um, every phrase in here is um, catchy and um, catchy is not the right word, but you know, but it's poetic. Striking, it's poetic. Yeah. It's the word. Yeah. Um, and complex and things like that. And I think it's really, really well done. And I think it's a wonderful exploration of, um, of, of, writing in a in a poetic way i only wish it was longer but Mm -hmm. um other than that i mean yeah it's beautiful oh yeah i mean this this little section is is written really well i mean i love the form of this this story for it having i think no no periods what whatsoever the um usage of these commas really does kind of break up this um this paragraph of a text and it does kind of allow the audience to sort of to sort of figure out how how it is supposed to be read throughout Uh, so i mean overall i just i just really dig it i i love this um scene that is uh, being made here and like and like all of the different forms of uh sensory going in and uh this this sort of paragraph does a a really good job at at sort of showing the sort of chaos that is that is uh, happening at this um at this train station while also having this sort of somber slowish tone to it. So I mean overall I just I just really love it and uh the only thing that I could wish for would would be for it to be longer because I really do like these pros so much. So really great job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so thank you so much to everyone who did submit a story this week. Uh, y'all submitting these these fantastic stories does does our heart good. So we want to give a big old do the right thing shout out to everyone who did who did submit a story this week. So thank you very much to Words on the Wind. Thank you to Sarah Penguin. Thank you, Captain Rhino. And thank you, Nipitin. Mm-hmm. And also, we we would like to say thank you to anyone who who left two or more comments. Leaving comments not only uh, allows you to understand more about what you wrote, but you are also providing someone else with crucial feedback that can only make them and you a better writer. So, thank you so much to words words on the wind and. Captain Rhino, thank you so much for leaving comments. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. If you want to be like all of these wonderful writers and submit your story to do the right thing, you can do that by going to slash r slash do the right thing. All you have to do is sit down for 30 minutes and write a complete short story using three of four words from that week. That's right. You can see the words as soon as they come out by following us on Twitter at RightThingCast or on our Discord as well. You can send us an email at RightThingCast at gmail.com and let us know whatever you want. You can say, hey, you can you can show us a, <laughs> a really good meme. You can uh, leave us in your will. I don't know. Whatever. Ooh, whatever you want. Great. 
Mm-hmm. And and of course, if you want to support us and everything else happening in Doof Media, you can do you, you can do that by donating to the Doof Media Patreon. All you have to do is donate ten dollars or more per per month to get access to the Doof Media Discord and exclusive bonus content. That's right. Um, uh, we're going to be recording the Steinsgate uh, uh, Doof over this week. Um, <laughs> sure, everything yes, goes we well, are. so yes, I'm excited yes, for that. and of course there's there's so much else going on in doof media um you can go listen to "Mm, what to say uh as it's probably going to take a pause after uh scott and elise have their baby because they're (gasps) they are pregnant by they i mean elise but also scott's going to be a father which is wild oh my goodness um so um yeah go go listen and and do a, a a catch up before they they go on hiatus because of that um but yeah, so so much else. They're they're getting close to finishing their uh, Del Toro uh, direct. Uh, was it dis- discovering the describing directors? What's it called? Uh, dissecting di- directors. Dissecting directors. That's correct. Thank you so much. Dissecting <laughs> directors series on um, the the Doofcast. They're almost done with Del Toro. I think they they just did they did Hellboy a bit ago. They just did Pan's mm. Labyrinth, um, and they are going to finish off with the, the the Shape of Water. So I'm excited to listen to all of those. Ooh yeah. Um, Especially that, that last yeah. one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love me some monster fish boy love. <laughs> all right. Um, <laughs> that's all we have for y'all this week. Um, what, uh, what do we do? What do we do now? What's the, what's the, we, we uh, announced next week's work. I'm really tired. What, how does this pod- podcast work? Can you remind so, me? So we first say what the, um, what we are going to be doing next week, which is a uh, do the edit thing. And then we and then we announce next week's words. <clears throat> so I'll go ahead and do that. How am I going to fucking okay. start this? Uh, <laughs> um, so uh, next week, what what what's what's our special thing going on next week, Jarvis? Thank you so much for episode ninety five. What are we doing? Yes, it is a fantastic episode ninety five. And for this very special episode, we will be doing the edit thing. So hell yeah! Uh, so uh, next week, I I am going to bring a, a story that I have I've already written on "Do the Right Thing," and I am going to edit it and present it to y'all as if it was brand new. And the challenge for next week is for y'all wonderful listeners to do the exact same. Uh, that's right. Um, so we're going to announce the words at the end of this, and you can choose to either do a new story off of the words or to go back and do um, edit any old story that you've done. It could be for Do the Right Thing, it could be for something else, as long as it's in, you know, Do the Right Thing, like length, right? No more mm-hmm. than like 2,000-ish words, please. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, yeah, and, and submit it. My, my recommendation regarding editing is not just to go through and, you know, polish it up a little bit, but to actually start with a new blank document and um, write down the whole thing from scratch again. Um, not necessarily from scratch. You can have the other, the, the old story, the old version open like in another tab, right? Yeah. And and to like go through and, and match things up if you want. Uh, but definitely have the default as you're editing not to keep things in, but to keep things out. Um, and also try not to, to have the um, other version up and try not to copy and paste. Uh Trust me, by by uh, doing that, you you will come up with something that that is similar. But the whole point of of taking it through this process of editing 
is to is to recreate that magic recreate that that lightning in a bottle but have it more honed towards something that you would be more proud of sure um in, or instead of doing one or the other of writing a new story or editing an old one uh you could do both um mm. in, in many different ways you could do you can edit an old story and then write a new one or you could write a new story and then edit it There's so many options here endless options but that's right I've, so i'm really I've, excited yeah. to see your story next week jarvis mm-hmm. i am very excited too but also before we get into what it's going to be about we have to talk about next week's words which are if uh, i can right, get, baby if i can get a drum roll please um i love it so Next week's words are brand, merit, evoke, and and offensive. So uh, a brand, uh, which um, name brand? Actually, so so brand. let's actually go through it. So so a brand is you know like a uh, a logo logo an idea of like you know a, a company right a representation mm-hmm. of that company uh, so that when you think of them you also get, get these feelings the word brand actually comes from the act of branding like with a very hot um piece of metal that's been decorated in different ways a cow right as these old uh, these ranches right to make sure that people knew that this cow was their cow right they would mm. take this brand and then they would brand the cow with their brand which had like a unique symbol on it so that's where the word brand comes yeah. from it's from branding uh isn't uh, that wild uh do you know what they uh used to brand before they branded cows i don't horses wow mm-hmm. i was <laughs> i was uh setting up for a uh, race joke but i decided not to i was like you know oh, I'm, maybe I'm, that's well, i'm, I'm maybe glad that's too far. i'm glad you didn't yeah i'm glad um maybe okay next, time. next one is uh merit which is um something to that it, that uh i guess is justified that justifies yeah um, like does it merit a a, a an award mm-hmm. but you can also get a merit if you've like earned it right and then, i guess you know, it, uh, and then also talk about someone's merit someone's work exactly someone's what, what makes them good yeah yeah um evoke which is to to oh pre-evoke. gosh well, this is kind of hard to describe <laughs> huh right it's to sort of bring out something else or yeah. to sort of um to summon make something else happen right yeah uh, some someone can evoke emotion in you which is to cause that emotion in you or you can evoke the wrath. flame yeah by using a lighter <laughs> um, yeah sure <laughs> and stuff and then the last one is offensive which is uh, something that can be like emotionally hurtful or it can be an offensive as in like a military offensive mm-hmm. which is a, an aggressive or, act towards or, another uh, in thing. sports there is the um ah uh, there is the offensive line in football that's right um nice. so those are those are the words jarvis in short give me give me a short story uh what are you gonna write this next this next week Thank you. So, uh, my next story is going to be a spin on Sausage Party, but but it's going to have a um a a, a lot more soul and a a lot more merit. Basically, uh, we will follow the uh, life of of a um off brand box of Raisin Brand. 
and uh you know kind of going through what it means to you know be be off brand we will see the um the sort of uh discrimination that uh this box of cereal will be facing the um the the uh the the offensive things that uh the uh main brand will be saying uh about it but uh by by the very end this this box of uh, 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 this box of cereal finds out that the best thing about their their selves is that they are a off brand so they don't really have to live up to the sort of expectations that the uh that the main brand does so uh it it evokes its own confidence and um gets a a sad fat man sick because raisin bran doesn't taste good that was really good and i'm so glad you told that story thanks so much thank you very much uh what story are, are you gonna write next week um I'm going to um, evoke some pain and astonishment and hurt in my um, audience um, through a story about uh, an offensive man who um, was so edgy and stuff that he took to branding his skin with um, uh, can't stump the Trump on his own skin Um because he's, he wanted to own the liberals, uh, own the libs. Um, he actually stamped his uh, his own skin with with that brand. You know, burned his own skin um, with um, a uh, symbol of uh, it was a drawing of uh, Christ actually wearing Santa's hat and a big bag just to make sure that people understand that um, Chris Christmas is about Christ and. Um, so he did that, and uh, the reason it's going to evoke so much pain is that uh, his actions merited him much fame and approval uh, across the nation that he became uh, the next and last president of the United States. Whoa. That sounds all too real to just be a story. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I-, I am very happy that you are um, deciding to... Uh, make a villain your uh, main character I, I i personally think it is very brave of you thank you i, I thought it was the right thing to do yeah but um tits that's the that's the podcast folks but, um, that's tits. it that's that's what we got that's what we got for y'all this week thanks for tuning in that's the podcast <laughs>